Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Keith Craft. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Here's what we believe around here. You got to say what you hear so you can see what you say. So let's say this together. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am God's workmanship created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today, I open up my mind to receive the word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up holy hands. Say this with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Hey, greet somebody on your way down. Tell them you're glad they're here. So honored to have you guys today. Thank you. Also, thank you for our online community that's watching. Give them a big hand. Thank you guys so much. Facebook, YouTube, all other kind of social opportunities. Uh, you know, when we started this Rhythm of Life series, I thought that I was just going to get to like really jump into this thing, and we just got stuck on love. And uh, I think love is a good thing to get stuck on, don't you? So uh, this will be the last week of Rhythm of Life Part 1. And at some point, I'm going to come back to Rhythm of Life, and I'm going to teach y'all. But we're talking about this weekend on how to prevent heart failure or how to prevent love failure. You know, when you think about uh, the natural-supernatural correlation, because finish this, if you know it, for everything in the natural, there is a supernatural correlation. And you say, where do you get that? Well, here's what the Bible says, that the things that are unseen are made manifest by the things that are seen. So oftentimes, God wants to use the seen to open the door for the unseen. But guess what? The devil knows that. So he tries to use what you can see, which is temporary, against you. So it's quite the opposite with God. And so with that said, if you went to the doctor and, and you had a little heart problem, they'd say, well, listen, uh, we want to prevent, obviously, heart failure. So uh, they would recommend that you change a few things, probably change your diet, probably change uh, some of your exercise habits and other things. And when we think about that, there is a natural supernatural correlation because in the world right now, what the world needs is love. I said, what the world needs is love. And we know that God is love. So when the world gets love, the world gets God because God is love. We know that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that, that if we believe, you have to believe that's your part then we would have everlasting life. Our job is to believe. God's job is to do the impossible. So, and then God doesn't just stop there. He says, God is love. God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. But we've got to believe that. But then he says, now I want you to love each other like I love you. And all you have to do is turn on the te television on one channel. Doesn't matter what channel it is. And you're going to hear a lot of things besides love. So with that said, take a look at your notes. And here's the big elevated thought for the message. When you make love happen, you make God happen. When God happens, good happens. How of you believe God's a good God? He's a good, good father. And he wants good to happen in your life. And so, so we're going to talk about how to prevent love, rhythm, or heart failure and uh, take a look at your notes. Number one, make love your greatest aim. That's actually in the Bible. Make love your greatest aim. 1 Corinthians 14.1. In another version, it says, let love be your highest goal. 
Do you know that the purpose of a goal is so you can grow? In fact, before growth comes, a goal has to happen. So growth is going to happen up or down. Our word for the year is grow. God wants us to grow up in all things, according to Ephesians 4, to help other people grow and then to cause growth to happen. But things are going to either grow forward or backward. They're going to grow one way or the other. Things are going to grow up or down. Things are going to grow better or they're going to grow worse. And oftentimes that's up to us. And so when we talk about that, when we talk about love, love, we have to take responsibility for love. We have to make love our greatest aim. We talked about it in the very beginning of this series, but there was a lawyer who came to Jesus and he said, hey, what's the most important thing to you? In other words, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus, without batting an eye, said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And by the way, the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And so what God was saying is this is what's most important. And then in 1 Corinthians to the church of Corinth, which, which was a very large church, just spiritual gifts were flowing, great things were happening. But, but he comes back around, the writer of, of Corinthians, Paul comes back around and he says, listen, you've got to understand something. Love has to be your aim. You have to aim for love. Aim, both in the Hebrew and the Bible, which is the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the Greek, it means this. It means to point as a weapon like a missile for the purpose of creating a chain reaction. When we think about aiming at something, you know, I think about a bullseye and I think, you know, for some of us, if you can just, if you've ever played darts, it's like, hey, I hope I hit the board. But, but there is actually a bullseye that we're going for. And what, what, what God is trying to help us understand is that what you aim for is what you get back in life. And so it's not just, hey, make, your, make love your greatest aim. But understand, whatever you aim for, the chain reaction is, it's going to come back to you. Some people never realize that, that whatever you sow is what you reap. The arrow that you fire is the arrow that's fired back at you. The boomerang that you throw is the boomerang that comes back to you. And so what he's trying to teach us is, let love be your greatest aim, because whatever you aim at, not just that you're going to hit, but it's going to come back to you. You know, I find it very interesting. In fact, guys, put up the whole scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1, and I want you to see something here. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire spiritual abilities that the Spirit gives. Let me stop right here before I get to the last part of this. There's, it's, it's important that you understand, and we talk about this, and it can almost sound cliche-ish, but we are not human beings here today having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And yet what God's consummate, never-ending goal for your life is, is for his super to be added to your natural. You are a supernatural being, and you need the supernatural power of God in your life. And as a believer, that's your advantage. It's not your brain, it's your spirit. Your advantage is, if, if, if I'll make love my highest goal, then again, whatever I, if, if I'll go there, I'll grow there. But you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives. What is the Bible saying? There's some special abilities that God wants to give you. Can you put an amen on that? 
But if we just live in the seen realm, if we just live living our life like everybody else and we don't understand as believers, we have an advantage, the spirit of the living God. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us. So again, let love be your, 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 your greatest aim, your greatest goal, but also desire that God adds his super to your natural. Now watch this, especially the ability to prophesy. Now, this is in the context of, of the Bible talking about spiritual gifts that God has given to the body, both to each one of us, but also spiritual gifts. And, 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 but, but, but again, the bigger context is not just spiritual gifts. The bigger context is spiritual gifts in love. So why would God want love to be our greatest aim? Why is love such a big deal to God? Because he wants you to have the ability to prophesy. Men, listen, our men's conference is this next weekend. I want you to get signed up. We, if you're not signed up, please get signed up. And don't be freaked out when you hear a roar because you're not a rah, rah, roar kind of guy. Just come on. It's okay. We love you. I'm a rah, rah, roar kind of guy and my son's not. He's just, you know, he's just, he's just him. He's just awesome. But if he's going to roar, you know, it's funny when he's playing a basketball in high, in high school, he has to make himself like, like for me, it's just natural, like, Hey, let's go. <laughs> hey, let's go. I mean, hey, so, so if it's, so, so in other words, if I decide to go, we're going to go. Josh, it's like the, the lawnmower has to be cranked. So in high school, it was so funny when he's playing basketball, you would hear him over the cheerleaders, everybody because he's running down the court. Going, ah, ah, ah. I just... And then as he's rebounding, I mean, for real, as he's rebounding, he's going, ah, he felt like people were going, man, this guy, ah, he's going for it. Because he has to rev himself up. Some of you are like that, and it's okay. Whether you're just out there, whether you're a jump off, jump on person, the bottom line is God loves you, and he made you just like you are. And, and so anyway, Ben, back to, back to our conference. It's going to be awesome. I want to encourage you to... To get signed up if you're not signed up, but, but, you know, in the church world, we hear a lot about being the priest and prophet of our home as men. And, you know, let me just talk about that for just a second. A, a priest is somebody who carries out priestly duties. So in, in the home context, the, the father makes sure that the family gets to church, not the mother. The father's supposed to. That's the priest. He makes sure that the family puts God first financially. That's his job as the priest. He makes sure that the family prays together. That's his job as the priest. But then what's the prophet? The prophet is the outspeaker for God. So now there's some people that have a gift to prophesy, and there's a lot of different, and I don't want to get into it, but there's, the, 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 there's all kind of ways that, that prophets operate, okay? But, but everybody here is a prophet. And that's what God's trying to say back to the scripture. Guys, put it back up there one more time. So, so make love your greatest goal. Make love your greatest aim. Desire the spiritual abilities that God has for you. Hey, this is a good time for us to pray. Let's just pray this together. Say, God, whatever special abilities from your spirit that you have for me, I want. Put an amen on that. But also the ability to prophesy. This isn't to pastors or to people that just have the gift of prophecy. This is for you to understand Every one of us have an ability that when I learn this word, the Bible says faith, believing that God's way is better than mine, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
Once I begin to speak the word of faith and say what I hear, I begin to see what I say. So, so what's the big deal about love? God wants you, to have, wants you to have the ability through love to speak those things that are not as though they were. To speak things into existence that wouldn't happen. And can I tell you, there's a whole lot of things that have been spoken into existence in the United States of America. Racism was spoken into existence. It wasn't like, oh, you're dark, I'm lighter. No, it was spoken into existence. Hate is spoken into existence. What is God trying to say? I'm looking for a remnant of people in the earth that will operate by a spirit of love. And as they operate by a spirit of love, what they say is gonna happen. And that's gonna overtake whoever said what about what. In other words, God wants to give you the ability to prophesy so that what you say happens in your marriage, in your family, and in your life in the name of Jesus. So this is what's so important about making love our greatest aim. Now look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. So with yourselves, since you're eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, how many of you want God's super in your natural? Come on. Then, then don't fail to ask Him for that. God, I need your super in my natural right now. If you're going to a business meeting, God, I need your super in, in my natural, in my family. I need your super. In, in other words, be thinking that way because you're a supernatural being. And He has special abilities that are just for you. And that are unique for what he's put you on the earth to do. But he says, listen, don't just seek and be eager for that. But in being eager for the spiritual manifestations, because your greatest aim is love. Remember this. It's to excel in the building up of the church. We are the people of God. You know, I told a story in the first service that years ago I was doing a conference with Rick Warren and. We were in the green room together and just talking. And I said, hey, can I ask you something? He goes, sure. I said, uh, I want to ask you for, for a favor. He goes, okay, well, if I can, I will. I said, I just want a double portion of what you've got. <laughs> Number one best-selling book of all time. You know, I said, would you at least pray for me? I'm, I'm like enough of a man of faith that I can ask you to pray. I don't know if I can believe that it'll actually come to pass, but I can, I can at least ask you to pray and agree with me. He goes, sure, I'll do that. Well, so, so, so he laid his hands on me, and I didn't say this in the first service, but let me tell you what he said. He said, before I pray for you, I just want to tell you something. I said, okay. He goes, I'd never heard of that. You're the first person that's ever asked me for that. He said, I'd never heard of that, but I asked Yonggi Cho for that. Now, some of y'all don't know who Yonggi Cho is. Google him later. He pastors the largest church in the world, over a million people. And years ago, Rick Warren said, would you pray for me that I would have a double anointing? Now he has the best-selling book in the history of the world besides the Bible and one of the largest churches in the world and some of the greatest influence in the world. So anyway, I expect a lot more to happen. But uh, <laughs> I believe God has special abilities for me. I believe he has special abilities for you based on what he's called you and put you on the earth to do. Let's believe God that way. Let's exercise our faith. But anyway, what was I saying? Oh, so today, today, here's what Rick Warren said. Listen to this. He said, he said, you know, coming to church is like a campfire. He said, you put coals on the fire and all the coals get hot. 
But if you take one coal outside the fire, the fire will stay hot, but that coal will eventually go out. But here's the good news. The minute you put it back on the fire, it gets hot again. You know what happens to people who come to church? The average Christian believer comes to church once a month. They're a cold coal for three, months out of the, three weeks out of the month. And then they come back once a month, get a little bit fired up and think, hey, we went to church today. That's awesome. <laughs> Can I just tell you what the Bible says? Neglect not the assembling of yourselves together as some do. Watch this. So you can be encouraged. Encouraged means that you can have strength spoken into you. We need to come to the house of God. I don't know how many of you are in a family like this. I had to start dealing with this in my own family because, you know, I would be in one room and I would text my kids who were in their rooms and we're having this text conversation in our house. I know none of you are like that. Hey, can you meet me in the kitchen? It's like, can you go ahead and come out? Yes, I'll be there. Here, here's, here's my point. We can live our life so much like that that we miss the dynamic of wonderful connection and encouragement and benefiting from spiritual gifts that each one of us have. We need to be in the house of God. Thank you for being here today. I'm preaching to the choir. But we need to remember that. And we need to remember that, that love being our greatest aim is so I can watch this. If, if, if I'm around you, Kenny, and I'm speaking, I'm prophesying the word of God, I'm speaking the word, well, you're going to be encouraged and enriched. And just by virtue of proxy that we're together, all of a sudden your faith is going to be built up. It's not just about me. It's about Greg. It's about Dave. It's about, it's about all of us. And that's what's so powerful because ultimately God has given us a mandate in the earth. Watch this. Not just to build your business, but to build your business so you can build the kingdom. Not just to have your family, your foreign no more, but have your family so that the tribe of God in the earth becomes bigger and stronger. In other words, it's not just about my family of origin. It's not just about your family of origin. It's when our family of origins come together and we become a family of choice and we, and we become not just a church, but a movement in the earth to accomplish God's purposes and to bring his kingdom from heaven to earth on our watch in Jesus' name. So if we're going to prevent love failure, then we've got to make love our greatest aim. Only you can do that. But number two, you've got to make your life be led by a spirit of love. Can I just tell you that love is a spirit? Love is not an emotion. Old church song. More than a feeling. Anyway, it's old church. Some of you grew up in church, you know. But make your life be led by a spirit of love. I love what Henry Drummond said. He said this. He said, you will find as you look back on your life that the moments that stand out above everything else are the moments when you have done things in a spirit of love. Galatians 5 says this in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Stop. How many of you believe the word of God? How many of you believe the Holy Spirit can guide you right now? Just put your hand over your heart. Come on, everybody. Let's pray together. Come on, we're a church. If any two of you shall agree as touching anything on earth, my Father in heaven will do it. One puts a thousand to flight, two put 10,000 to flight. Right now, let's pray. Let's pray this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission from this day forward to guide my life. And the Lord would say, that's what I've been waiting for. That's what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for you to want to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. Watch this. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Nobody shout out, but what is it that you crave? I'm not going to tell you my cravings. Some of you crave Dr. Pepper and donuts. 
Some of you crave Mexican food. Some of you crave different kinds of stuff that don't relate to any kind of eternal purpose, but simply feed the flesh. And I'm sure everyone here is that way. How many of you crave things that are just for your flesh? Those of you that don't raise your hand, Lord, deliver them, free them, set them. But God says, I want you to be led by the Spirit. Watch this. So that it's not that the craving will go away. Watch this. But the craving for God will be more than that craving. The craving of God, just like the love of God, will overtake the hate of the world. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation of the law of Moses. Somebody put an amen on that. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. This is why love is a spirit. Love and joy and peace. Let's just stop right there just for a second. What does that mean? That means, listen, we're all going to feel hate at times. And we're all going to feel hated at times. It's a spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is leading and directing our lives, guess what I have access to? Because it's a spirit. It's the spirit of love when I feel hate. To speak love rather than to speak hate. To align my rhythm, my mouth, my heart, my mind with God. The rhythm of love. We're all going to have sorrow. Have you ever had so much sorrow that you felt weak? Don't worry, you will. Something that brings you to your knees, something that breaks your heart, and it makes you feel weak. That's why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not the joy of the job, not the joy of the raise, not the joy of being with that person, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we have to find that joy. But also peace. It's a spirit. It's one of the fruit of the spirit. All of us have strife. I woke up this morning at 5.30, 5, I don't even know what time it was, but I just had some stuff going on on the inside of me. I said, I, I, need, to, I need to get up and I need to go pray. That's what I did. I got up and just went and prayed and got in God's presence and began to worship God. Because guess what? Whether we go to sleep with strife, whether we wake up with strife, or whether during the day a wave of strife hits you, and whether you have people in your life that cause you strife just because of the way they are. It's like, God, can you fix that? Can we just like be friends, we just be happy. Here, here's my point. We have spiritual gifts. We have spiritual power to access peace even when we feel strife. So what does the Bible say? The Bible say, says, the Bible say. The Bible, here's what the Bible say. It say, that God has given us a spirit, look at this now, of timidity. How many of you struggle with insecurity? Let me just see your hands. Just keep your hand up. And I'm, I've got my hand up too. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have not been given a spirit of timidity. God did not give us this, so we release it in Jesus' name. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, say it over yourself. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In my weakness, he is made strong. His grace is sufficient for me. Come on. He hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving, and ongoing and fawning fear. Can I tell you, I just want to say this, and again, I don't want to harp on it because they do enough harping on social media. And let me just tell you something. Social media has given place for a spirit of cowardice, for people to hide behind what they're typing or what they're writing. 
And that's not God's plan. You're on the wrong side of God when you're using it like that because God wants you to sit down face to face and whatever needs to be worked out, let's work it out. Let's don't write about it. Let's don't talk about it. Let's sit down and face to face and let's talk about it. And don't, don't, don't talk behind people's back or, or get on social media and gripe and whine about something. It's a spirit. But God has given us a spirit. Everybody just, before we read it, say, I receive it of power. It's a spirit of power. In other words, God has given you, if you love Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. In other words, he's given you the spirit to, of, of power to overcome death, to overcome hell, to overcome the grave, to overcome sin, to overcome lack, to overcome sickness, to overcome disease. You have power. Why don't you look at somebody and say, you have power. But it's a spirit of power. But watch this. This is how we know it's a spirit that love is a spirit. He's given us the spirit of love. Why don't you just lift up your hands right now? Come on, all this place, all the way up. Come on, guys, go with me. Just say, I receive a spirit of love. Come on. Come on, a spirit of love and of calm and well-balanced mind. How many of y'all would like a well-balanced mind? How many of y'all's mind is not well-balanced sometimes? Eat some Captain Crunch, it helps. All right, so, and discipline and self-control. What is, what is God, listen, do you know that discipline is not just something you do over and over and over? Discipline is a spirit. That's why it's determinate. All of disciplines that you have in your life are determinate disciplines. If you can be disciplined in one area, you can be dis disciplined in every area. So Yonggi Cho, you heard me mention that Rick Warren, the pastor, he was now pastor emeritus, but the largest church in the world. Um, you know, people used to make these, these, these pilgrimages, if you will, to, to South Korea because they wanted to see Yonggi Cho's church and they wanted to know all the secrets and they found out that the secret was prayer. Wow, the secret was prayer. And so one day he's in this huge room and, and a bunch of my friends were there. He's in this huge room and they asked him the question, brother, how do you do it? You pray three hours a day. That's just amazing. He got a smile on his face. He goes, oh, that impresses you. Pray three hours a day. I learned that discipline when I was a Buddhist. That's why Muslims make great Christians. They've been doing it five times a day. We're trying to find like, okay, I said prayer. Uh, Discipline is a spirit. That's why you need to have your kids make up their bed. That's why you need to have them clean up their room. That's why you need to fight that fight. Why? Because it's a discipline fight, and it's a discipline of the spirit fight. That's what it is. It's not just, hey, you didn't make up your bed. You're, you got to have a clean room. Cleanliness is next to God, and it's somewhere in the Bible. Everybody say this with me. I rebuke and renounce any spirit of timidity or fear. And I receive the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind in Jesus' name. Come on, put a big amen on that. We're getting healthy, church. One last thing. If we're not going to have heart or love disease and if we're going to prevent love failure and heart failure. We've got to make love a way of life. Not just have a way of life. 
a way that we roll, but make love a way. So darkness cannot drive out darkness, Martin Luther King said. Only love can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, he said. Only love can do that. Hatred paralyzes life. Love releases it. Hatred confuses life. Love harmonizes it. Hatred darkens life. Love illuminates life. And he went on to say this. I have decided to stick with love. Hatred is too great a burden to bear. Let's stick with love, y'all. Come on, let's stick with love. Let's make love a way of life. Romans 13, owe nothing to anyone. Boy, I put it up there. I love this. In fact, if, if the scripture just stopped there, that would be awesome. I don't owe you jack, Jill. I, 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 I don't owe you nothing. And then there's this long line for you to think about it. Except... For your obligation to love one another. Oh, man, come on. Oh, like, what is, like, what does that mean? Have you ever been to a funeral you didn't want to go to? I'll go ahead and raise your hand and be honest. You know what I'm talking about. Nobody loves funerals. I can't wait for my next funeral. Why do we go to funeral? What a pair of respects. No, out of the obligation of love. Why do we stay married? I didn't. Why should you? Out of an obligation of love. Why do I not let relationships detach? Even though in howtolove.com, don't look it up right now, but look it up later. <laughs> you can take a test and find out whether you're a pleaser, a vacillator, an abstainer, or a controller. And how you love determines how your life goes. And so I know some controllers, and it's very hard because I want to control how it goes. I know some vacillators. I am one. You know what a vacillator is? I don't even have time to go into this. Y'all don't want to hear about that. I'll come back to that some other time. Anyway, you know what a vacillator is? A vacillator, <laughs> you know what a pleaser is? That's what Pastor Sheila is. You know what a pleaser is? They want to please, please, please. They, it's, it's wonderful, except when they don't feel like they're pleasing you. And then precious. Because it seems like, well, if somebody that wants to please you, that would be a great thing. What does a vacillator do? You know what they do? They try to solve relational problems with people because they want connection with them. They're not trying to please them. They're trying to connect with them, so they vacillate. And how they vacillate is they vacillate between, look, I want to, and for me, it's pleaser and vacillator. So I don't want to please you because, you see, pleasers don't want to be rejected, so that's why they please. But vacillators are different because they say, I'm willing to work, like talk this out with you, even though you're driving me crazy right now, but I'm willing to talk this out to you because I want connection with you. So I will vacillate between me trying to please you and talk this through because I want to connect with you. Anyway, it's a lot more of that. I know, like I said, it's not very interesting. And so, uh, but, but the reality is this. Put the scripture back up there, guys. Here's what you need to understand. God wants you to know something, and that is that you owe nothing to anyone except the big one, and that's to love. I have an obligation to love you. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. Wow, that is, you mean I just do that one thing? You just do that one thing? You got it. Let's look at what it goes on to say. 
For the commandments say you shall not commit adultery. Oh, yeah, that's bad. That's a bad one. You shall not murder. Oh, that's, that's really bad. You shall not steal. That's bad. You must not covet. He lists all the sins that we know exactly what those sins are. He said, these, another time for you to think, and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Oh, so what's worse than an adultery? Not loving your neighbor. What's worse than murder? Not loving your neighbor. What's worse than, what's worse than any of the commandments? Not loving your neighbor as yourself. He says, if you get this right, it'll take care of all the other things. So important. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills all the requirements of the law. I, you know, I, I mentioned, and I'll come back to it, and then we're going to be through, and I'm going to ask for our team to come. But I, I, I want to just say this, that, that Jesus had two unique people come to him. They were both lawyers, and one said, like we've talked about this whole series, one said this, one said, what's the most important thing to you? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Then he had another lawyer come to him another time. And he said, hey, how, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus didn't say, well, repent of your sins. Jesus didn't say, make sure you got everything right. And then you'll get eternal life. Here's what he said. Same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. What was he trying to say? Love covers it all. Because guess what? If you love people, you'll forgive them. If you don't love, you won't forgive. Why? Because they hurt you. And you made how they hurt you about you. So you can't love them. He said, if you'll just love, you'll find forgiveness will happen. If you'll love, you'll find out that love makes all those other commandments work. By the way, what is it about us that likes to point out sins of other people that we don't necessarily commit and we rank the sins. Here's what he's saying. Those are some pretty bad like sins, right? That's called missing the mark or the bullseye. Adultery, murder, stealing. And he goes, hey, by the way, love trumps them all. You got to love and it'll cover. In fact, Paul, uh, Peter said it this way. He said, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. How many of you need some of your sins covered? Let me just see your hands. Please, everybody raise your hand. I don't want any lightning bolts coming through the ceiling. <laughs> then he says, love each other deeply and your sins will be covered. Love each other deeply and your sins will be covered. Love each other deeply and your sins will be covered. Why? Because you're walking in an attitude of forgiveness. You're walking in an attitude of honor. You're walking in an attitude of mercy. <sighs> if you've been around our church anytime, you've heard this. Love becomes a way of life when you seek to love people the way they need to be loved because you realize that God has loved you the way you need to be loved. So I want you to really hear that. Most people are not taught that, so they just love the way they love. Most likely your parents, especially parents of my era, of the 30s and 40s, parents, just for the most part that hadn't been taught, they just love like they love. So many of us grow up in homes and there's a big hole. There's a big deficit on the inside of us. We don't, we don't even know what it is. Hey, our, we know our parents loved us. They just never loved us the way we need to be loved. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. It's the same thing in your marriage. You see, you love the way you love until you decide to make love a way of life. And when you make love a way of life and you make love your greatest aim, then anybody that's going to be in your life, you seek 
to know what says I love you to them and you seek to love them that way. It's a secret of true love and endearment and fulfillment on this side of eternity because that's exactly what God did for us. For God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that if we would believe on him, our, our part is to believe, he made the sacrifice, then we would have everlasting life and that everything that we need, the Bible says, God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So I got to share this story. Some of you've heard it, but when Josh was about six years old, he, uh, he decided he wanted to play soccer. Of course, I wanted to play soccer because I was an athlete. I, wanted, he, he, I was never really a soccer player, but I didn't care what he was. He decided, I want to play soccer. I said, okay. okay. So, so I got him the cleats. I got him the shin pads. I got him the nicest little uniform. His first game, I was so excited. He's out on the field, and this is what's happening. The, the two teams, I promise, they're at the other end of the field. And my son's looking at his shoes. He's going. He's reaching down, rubbing on his, he's going. He's smiling. He's having such a good time. He's looking, he's checking out his shirt, his shorts, looking at his shoes. Now, some of y'all that have grown up around parents that were athletes and they had children, or parents that weren't athletes and they want to be athletes and then they force their kids to do ECAs, which are extracurricular activities, or try to live their dreams to their parents. That's the parents who stand in the stands going, come on, come on. I wasn't like that, but I was like this. I'm thinking on the sidelines. Okay. He, he, he's not, not going to be an athlete, kids. You need to settle that like right Tim, you need to listen to what I'm saying, right? Because that's like both of you guys. All of a sudden, Bill, he looks up and he sees me on the silence and he goes. I go. The teams are down at this end. He comes running over to the sidelines. He goes, hey, Dad. I am parched. He's six years old. I've never heard parched ever. Where did he learn this word? I'm parched. And then the next thing, it sounded like the Christ. He goes, I thirst. What, what in the world? I go, well, let's get you some water, son. So he gets some water. I go, you good? He goes, I'm good, Dad. I said, now I want you to, now listen. I said, look at me. I said, you see those, those teams? Those are teams down there, and there's a little white ball. And here's what I want you to do. Wherever that little bouncing ball goes, I want you to follow the ball and try to stay with the teams. He goes, okay. I go, okay, okay. <laughs> you know what I've had to do all my life? My children have been lessons because all of them need to be loved in a different way that transcends just how I love. 
And some of your greatest teachers are your spouse and your family and your children. And you're either making a connection, watch this, because you're making love a way of life and you're seeking to love people. Watch this, more than you're seeking to be loved by them. And this is part of our mistake that we make. And this is part of what leaves holes in our hearts and us craving the wrong things because we're not being loved the way we need to be loved because we're not making love our greatest aim. We're making us our greatest aim and we're missing the mark. So, 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 you know, many of you know, I traveled for many years on the road, 40 plus weeks a year. The most busy I was in one year was 48 weeks a year. And I traveled with my family. In fact, I posted on Instagram this week. I was looking for something else. In fact, it was my passport because we're going to Israel in a few weeks and uh, with about 75 of our church here. And, and so the last time I went out of the country, I had to get a new passport, Glenda, because I lost my passport before. And so unbeknownst to me, our personal assistant, which is wonderful, she's an angel sent from God to, to us. Steve, you get to be the beneficiary, but she's for us. But anyway, so the last time I lost my passport, she took insurance out on it so it could be expedited the next time I needed it. So this week, Pastor Sheila goes, where's your passport? I go, why are you even asking me that? Why are you asking me where my passport is? You know I don't know where my passport is. There's no way you're supposed to have my passport. So we called Glenda. Glenda, are you sure you didn't lose my passport? So anyway, so this week I'm going to get a new passport. Thank you, Glenda, for getting insurance so that my new passport can be expedited. Let's make sure we have insurance on this one in case Pastor Sheila doesn't have a passport place. Okay, so... How many of you know in your marriage, if you want to play that blame game, it's fine, but just get ready to be cold. Cold. Like a coal separated from the campfire. Okay, so. Okay. So many of you know I traveled. This week I, I was looking for my passport and I found my first newsletter that I ever posted with my team Strike Force in 1987 with my tour bus. I actually had a tour bus. I mean, first class, it was awesome. Anyway, and um, so anyway, I traveled all these years and, and I'd be on the road. And like, for instance, I'd call my kids, I'd call Josh. And, and one of the ways that we were to communicate when he was little is I'd go, brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? He said, say back to me, I see yellow duck looking at me. Yellow duck, yellow duck, what do you see? I see a red bird looking at me. That was how we communicated when he was two and three. If he wasn't on the road with me, we'd do brown bear, brown bear books or things like that. So anyway, one time I called and Sheila, and this happened actually several times, more times than I'd like to say, but I would call and she would go, I am just, you know, with Josh and Caleb. I'm just... I won't tell you what she said. So when she would stop, I'd say, okay, you ready? Here's what you need to do. Number one, number two, number th- I'll get you back to number three. And she'd go, I need you to, I can need you to stop right now, Mr. Coach. Mr. Coach. 
I don't need you to coach me right now or to tell me what to do. I need you to listen to me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I realized this is how to love my wife. Not to try to fix everything, not to give her the one, two, three. I'm giving that to y'all. <laughs> but there's times when I just need to listen. And can I tell you that when you start thinking that way, and I'm, not, I'm still not all the way there, you begin to love people in your life the way they need to be loved. And it gives you a revelation of how patient that God is with you because he loves you no matter what, no matter what. So, so we're through, but I'm gonna give you some homework. Please put Luke six up here. But to you who are willing to listen, how many of you are willing to listen? But to you who are willing to listen, here we go. I say, love your enemies. <laughs> I don't want to love my enemies. I want to kill them. <laughs> Do good to those who hate you. This is homework. Bless those that curse you. How many of you consider yourself a good cusser? <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. Now, the rest of you might be passive-aggressive cussers, but you're cussers just as much. Oh, I would never say that word. Oh, yes, you did. God knows exactly what you said. In fact, you did it in a riff. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When people cuss me, see that girl right there? Stand up, Angela. This girl can cuss you out better than anybody. Were you a great cusser? You were a good cusser. And you could put it to a riff, a rhyme, and a rap. Anyway, God redeemed her. But don't make her mad. And don't talk about me behind my back to her. Because that whole riff thing, she will cuss you out. I'm just kidding. Bless those that curse you. Come on, y'all. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. Pray for those that hurt you. Y'all pray for them that they die. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, you're, hey, you're hurting me right now, so I need you to go away, like, to the grave. I know some of y'all are so spiritual. You don't even think like this. I'm not spiritual. I'm just the pastor. Okay, so. If someone slaps you on one cheek... Who thinks like this? Jesus. By the way, can I just tell you what this means? Let it turn you into your strength. Let it make you stronger. If someone demands your coat, offer them your shirt. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. And this is called the silver rule because it used to be the golden rule, but nobody does it. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. It's the golden rule. Wow. If you love only those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners lend money 
to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, exclamation. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Now watch this. Here it comes. Are you all ready? Are you ready? Then your reward from, not them, but from heaven will be very great. I just speak over your life in the name of Jesus. You have great reward coming your way. Come on. You have great reward coming your way. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. How many of y'all have ever been unthankful? And maybe even a little bit wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others. Why? Because you've made judgment your aim and that's what's going to come back to you. Do not condemn others. Why? Because if you make condemning other people, it'll come back against you. But here's what you do. If you make love your greatest aim, you'll forgive others and you will be forgiven. Somebody put an amen on that. And then here's the best news. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, here's the best news. Give. Doesn't say what to give. Whether it's money, whether it's love, whether it's kindness, whether it's pain, doesn't matter what it is whatever you give you will receive your gift will return to you full pressed down shaken together to make room for more running over poured into your lap the amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back come on church God wants you to understand something here's what he wants you to understand it's not like going and buying some raisin bran I like raisin bran but when I open that box they have pressed down shaken it together all right but it's about two-thirds full that's the way the world does it I get my Cheetos. I love my Cheetos. I love crunchy Cheetos. I love puff Cheetos. I love all Cheetos, but especially on the puff Cheetos. You go open the Cheetos. It's full. It looks full. You open it. Air comes out. It's about half full. That's the way the world does it. God says, here's what I do. I press it down. I shake it together. It comes running over and there's good things coming your way because I'm a good, good father. I have your best interest in mind. If you'll just let love be your greatest aim. Come on, church. Let love be your greatest aim. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.